What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Not A Real Libertarian podcast. We have a very exciting episode for you tonight with an LNC chair candidate, which is pretty much the hottest topic you can have in May of an election year for a libertarian. So I'd like to first bring on the founder of the Not A Real Libertarian Network and the host of every show ever, Bootleg Libertarian. Good! It's Thursday night and I'm not home, so I'm out doing chores. So excuse me for the jankiness of my quality tonight. That's all right. Your quality is always pretty janky. It's just now your camera is a little messed up. So that's just fine, man. (laughs) (laughs) Just playing. But uh, let's get through some ad reads so we can keep the lights on. You can find us on all the places, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. James Collier for Kentucky. That's people over politics, people helping people. That's T-O-L-L-E-R-Y. No, it's not T-O-L-L-E-R, the number four, K-Y.com. Go help the man out. He does a lot for his community. He believes in community first, uh, but he also wants to run for public office so he can do more than just, you know, inside his community. Hell yes. And also visit the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, leading libertarians to veteran issues and veterans to libertarian solutions. You can find us at lpvets.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and join our Discord. Chris Bye for Alaska. Uh, I mean, because there's only one seat available in Alaska for the uh, federal Congress. And uh, Chris Bye wants that seat. And, uh, you know, I think Chris should get it. He's an awesome dude. He's super down to earth. Um, and there can be only one, and we should make the the uh, the one Chris by. That's right. All right. And uh, let's get to notarealpodcast.com, which is where you can get merch and learn the history of this show. You can also find our merch on Proud Libertarian. So search us, Not A Real Libertarian Podcast. Uh, and I think lastly, redemptiontactical.com, where hopefully – Jenny's already on it. She posted our link in the comments, but use our link and you can get a discount and a ballistic face mask. So without further ado, let's bring on our guest tonight to uh, make his case to all the libertarians in the libertarian world. Tony DeRazio, welcome, sir. Welcome to the court of bootleg. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to finally be here. All right. So what is what is it like right now for you? Are you like sleeping at night or is it already uh, full stress on? I mean, I'll sleep when I'm dead, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got about four. I get I'm getting about four hours a night right now. It's it's full on stress talking to people, trying trying to get our plans together for what we're doing before Reno, during Reno, after Reno. You know, when I win, uh, yeah. you know, all that stuff, it, it's, it's all got to get done. Yeah. That's a lot. I could imagine that being a uh, quite stressful. So <laughs> especially if it's close to it, how long are you going to be in Reno? Are you just doing like the time of the convention days or are you getting some extra time there to prepare? I'm coming in. Um, I'm, I'm coming in on Wednesday, which is the day before everything starts, but kind of late. So I'm not going to have a, I'm not going to have a ton of time to prepare. 
Um, but love a little, little kind of set up. And then Thursday is uh, the uh, education day, and I'll probably poke my head into a few of those to learn learn what I'm doing wrong in my chair race, I guess. <laughs> hey, that's freaking brilliant. I took uh, I did a campaign track at regional training with um oh god what's the guy's name at lnc who does all the political stuff apollo i can't apollo, remember yeah. apollo Pizzell. and it was phenomenal like i learned a lot about campaigning and uh and honestly i haven't even been able to apply it all i wish i could hear it again but you get a lot apollo, of good stuff from them apollo is fantastic i really want to hear him um out in reno for sure so something i'm always trying to find out people's history especially since you're running for chair so tell me about like how you became a libertarian um yeah, yeah. I got into this stuff. So I um I first became a libertarian quite some time ago. Uh I was um I voted for Bill Clinton his first term. Um and the second term in 96, I, I looked at the candidates that were running. Bill Clinton, he's got four years, he hasn't done he hasn't done great and our country's in worse shape. Bob Dole, who was already doing Viagra commercials, and um and Ross Perot, who was just batshit crazy. So I, I looked at those candidates and, um, and and said to myself, I need to find another candidate. So I started digging around and I found a guy named Harry Brown. Uh, Harry Brown um, was the 96 and 2000 candidate for uh, president uh, for the Libertarian Party. And he, he was fantastic. He, uh, he was somebody who leaned anarchist, but was still a very good spokesperson for the party. But if you looked at his platform and what I found was his platform, what will you do with all these agencies? And here I am, a Democrat, coming in, looking at the Libertarian platform, and all he wants to do is abolish everything. It scared the hell out of me. So, sure. but, but I was also intrigued because, wow, look, he wants to take the federal government, make it smaller, and and actually do something different with the government than what we've seen. So I um, decided one night to give um, Libertarian Party of New York a call um, just after work. I was sitting around at work, said, you know, before I go home, let me pick up the phone and call, thinking I'm going to get a voicemail. They're going to send me some campaign literature and because I'll, I'll leave a mailing address and, and that'll be it. Nope. Somebody picked up the phone. Her name was Dottie Lou Brokaw. Uh, she was the vice chair of the party at the time. She came in from chopping wood to answer the phone, uh, which, which, which is a detail that um, still amazes me. Um, she um, sat and talked to me for about forty-five minutes. She talked to me about Howard Stern. She talked who was uh, the ninety-four candidate for governor for the Libertarian Party in New York. Uh, she talked to me about Harry Brown. She talked to me about the platform and how it made sense. And you know, a lot of what she said clicked. So because she showed up. Um, and, and actually uh, did her job and, re and reached out to somebody who was a potential libertarian. I'm, I've been here ever since. Um, I've been um, an officer in the um, Libertarian Party of New York since 2017. Um, I, I was a member at large for a while, then I was vice chair and chair for a while, and I'm back to being vice chair. So where do you, if you, uh, if you do win uh, at the end of the month here, uh, what kind of what's your goal for the future? Because, um, you know, the world we're in now, I mean, it's it's turbulent. It's there's turmoil and strife and all this. Uh, what do you what what's uh, what's your goals for the future? So my goal is to um, my goal as a libertarian has always been a world set free in our lifetime. How am I going to move that forward as chair? Here's what I'm going to do. The first thing I want to do is I want to simplify our messaging. 
make sure that we have messaging from the national party that can be applied to all 50 states. Messaging from the national party that is really platform-based, really principles-based, but at the same time, someone from New York, someone from Missouri, someone from Texas, someone from California can pick it up and adapt it to whatever their local needs are. Number two, I want to see us, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, And that's the uh, fighting in our party right now. There are three factions in our party. We have a a group that wants to take it over. We have a group that wants to kick out anybody who wants to take it over. And then we have these bunch of people in the middle who want to fight the cult of the omnipotent state, who want to see candidates get on the ballot, want to see us win elections. And that's the biggest part of the party. That's what I've discovered from my conversations. What I want to see us do is aim our aim our aim our rocks not at each other, but at the state. We'll do that by having a calm leader who's willing to work with everybody and has a track record of doing that. By having clear, concise, simple messaging and a growing membership that knows how to speak to the population. Okay. So what do you think about, uh, so this, this has been my biggest grievance against national. You're all right, dude. Calm down. Um, he's going to bark anyways. Um, but so my biggest gripe with national as of, especially the last couple of years is the massive delay on being open and vocal against like lockdowns and all this other stuff. I think we've seen um, a lot of missed opportunities. Do you have any plans on how we can fix that? A couple, um, and, and I will say that it's gotten better. Um, I agree with you, The first, especially the first year of these lockdowns, the party was nearly silent or far too late on messaging. Um, um, Becca has done a really good job um, with, with communications and messaging, so it has gotten a lot better. I want to see us. I want to see a, a more empowered staff, um, and that's not always easy. Um, right now, a lot of a lot of decisions are made by committee, um, and we we all know that the only the, the best way to speed up a decision is to get more and more people involved in it, as opposed to just empowering people um, to actually make decisions and message. Because if, libertarians agree so much. Exactly. <laughs> But if we have a clear, but if we have that clear vision and have the simple messaging strategy, the communications team are going to be able to respond, especially to national issues. Each individual state is going to be able to respond to, to these issues in a timely manner. Like I said, it's gotten better. Uh, I think we can we still have a lot of room for improvement. What are what are some of the is there like what are some of the specific thinkers? or maybe state affiliates, or maybe pages, or whose messaging do you like that you feel like you can take and, and really kind of trust in? Um, I've really liked what's coming out of Tennessee. Not saying that because bootlegs on the call, I promise. Um, I've really liked Texas. Um, now, now we have a problem. Just kidding. I like Texas. <laughs> I really like Oklahoma better. Yeah. No bias. <laughs> yeah, see, no, no, see, bias. see now he's no, just no bias at all. <laughs> no, 
but but I'm I'm so one of one of my jobs that I, I've I've recently given up because well you know I'm running this little race for chair um, is was a communications director for um, the LPNY and Tennessee Texas Oklahoma are three parties that I picked up all the time. Um, clear, clearly, um, we hear a lot from Larry Sharp in New York, and he is really good at speaking to the masses and speaking to people who are on the edges of libertarianism or partial libertarians, mm -hmm. um, which you need to do in New York as an elected official, which he's not, but, but he's getting there, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And so he is an excellent individual messenger. Um, I like most of what Spike Cohen does, um, but he seems to steady, he seems to dedicate most of his time to ratioing police departments as opposed to making his own messaging. Hey, I I, I think that that's a phenomenal strategy, though. Hopefully, people mm. see that, you know. And what Spike does that I do like, I'm just arguing with you real quick, and he did it today. Is he says to the people reading this, and then goes off. It's like that's not about shaming the police department. It's about showing all those. You know, oh, yeah. it's the people, what libertarianism looks like. So, you know, one of the things that I sometimes will do online, um, especially on Twitter, um, not so much on Facebook anymore, is I'll actually talk back to my critics. So when I post something um, that a certain group may not agree with and they let me know vociferously and repeatedly and profanely, I'll talk back to them and actually have a conversation with them about it. I'm not necessarily talking to them they're not necessarily going to read what I'm saying and aren't necessarily going to say, oh, oh, well, of course he's right. He just convinced me. That happens sometimes, but really, I want everyone else to see it. I want the people who are just sitting on the edge of libertarianism, who may not know what a libertarian is, I want them to see it. I want them to see a reasonable voice coming out of our party uh, that, that's representing us. It's not necessarily for, um, against the critics. And, and frankly, that's a, strategy, a similar strategy to Spike. He directs his at uh, the police, uh, police forces uh, in a lot of cases, which is beautiful. I agree. It's a great strategy. So another question. I think this is a very important uh, question. I think we should ask people more uh, more often, especially in like presidential issues. But uh, if you don't mind, in your own words, define the position of the LNC chair. What is it? What is it you think the LNC chair should be doing or what their job actually is? That is a great question, and is by the way clearly defined in the policy manual. And I'm not going to quote it because I can't quote it because it's 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 like this long. Um, the LNC chair is the CEO of the party. They lead meetings. They represent the party in official capacities. They are they are called on to mediate. Um, they lead the uh, directors. Um, they. They set the tone of the party. They hire the staff. The, the executive director reports to the LNC chair. So the staff reports up through that, that position as well. So you need somebody who is an organizer, a mediator, a manager, and a good, a good reasonable spokesperson of libertarianism. That's good stuff. Okay. I like that answer. It's a great answer. Yeah. So do you have any plans to like run for office or anything like that afterwards? Or is this race basically the sole, sole focus of your life right now? This race is the sole focus of my life right now. I have run for office a couple times in the past. I was wondering. Uh, 
Yeah, I ran for U.S. Congress in 2016 um, against Louis Slaughter in uh, New York 25. And uh, I ran for uh, town justice, which you can do as not a lawyer in New York. Huh. In fact, 90% of town justices in New York aren't, aren't lawyers. Um, I, I, I've gotten speeding tickets uh, um, thrown out by, um, by uh, ranchers, uh, which is one of my favorite, favorite things. There's a small town west of uh, Rochester, kind of between Rochester and Niagara Falls, where, um, where the town justice is, is also a ranch owner, and, that, and that's what she does. The two in my small town, because we have two justices, one of them is a social studies teacher, and one of them um, happens to be a paralegal, but not a lawyer. Huh. So what, uh, what is New York like? Because you talked about how, you know, Larry Sharp kind of has to speak to everybody, kind of speak to people on the edge. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds like you're kind of from more of a rural part of New York, but what is, what is the New York culture like overall politically? Um, and, and kind of the rural versus urban. Yeah, I know that's, that, that's a great observation. And I'm kind of suburban. Um, Rochester's the third largest city um, in, in New York because Yonkers is in a city. Technically, by population, there's like 80 more people in Yonkers than there are in Rochester, but we don't count Yonkers. They're basically the sixth borough of New York. Huh. It really is a tale of two states huh. divided by the Hudson River. So you've got New York City, Long Island, and a couple of those counties down by down by New York City that are deep, deep, deep blue. Um, it's a very different world. It's a far more restrictive state. Then you've got the rest of the state, upstate, western, whatever you want to call the rest of the state. Um, and most of this, most of the rest of the state is deep, deep red. Um, but there's more people in the blue section than the red section, so sure. we look like so we that's, look like that's a America's blue. entire problem, right? No. Well, you know, um, all all the red people, all the all all the all the R's decided they didn't want to be in area blue, um, right. so which is fine. And I frankly, um, the county I live in is one of the few purple counties where we do oh, have yeah, a perfect. Split. Uh, and I, and I like that. And the Libertarian Party is really successful in Monroe County, which is my county. Um, we, we got um, more votes for Larry Sharp than any other county in New York. Wow. Um, but this po this poses a very difficult problem for somebody who's running for a statewide office. And this year we have five people running for statewide offices. In the city, you have to talk about things that they care about, like housing, the rent is too damn high. We all remember that guy. Um, public transit. Crime. You have to talk about that everywhere. In the rest of the state, you have to talk about things like the Second Amendment. Um, we're talking about mandates to everybody because they that that's one been one unifying factor for the whole state. Um, wow, they hit, good, really? They, well, yeah. If you look at what's happening in New York State versus the city, we we both had to abide by um, Governor Cuomo's rules. Now, past governor, thank God. I'm not that Governor Hochul's been any better, um, which means that we had masking longer than anybody else. We were seen as lepers um, to the rest of the country longer than anybody else because it because uh, the pandemic hit us so, so brutally. But New York City had an extra layer of it because they had Mayor de Blasio putting additional restrictions on no indoor dining. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't move or work without having a vaccination. 
Um, and I've saw a lot of people get fired in New York City from their jobs because they wouldn't vaccinate, yeah. um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, worked out well for them, but, you know, it's still, they were lucky. It has not worked out well for everybody. If you go to New York City, you're going to see a lot more shuttered storefronts right now because of the restrictions that were placed during the pandemic. Um, so there were definitely restrictions placed everywhere in the state, harder in New York City, but this was still enough of an issue outside of New York City where the whole state could absolutely unite. Hmm. Interesting. So how uh, how have you messaged to the people uh, in your in your county and stuff whenever you were running? Oh, and also, are, is Tom Queter your district? He's running for U.S. Senate, so he's my state. <laughs> oh, oh, he's running for Senate. That's right. Duh. Yeah. Okay. That's he's, awesome. one of the, he's one of the five statewide candidates. Um, he's um, I'm glad he's doing it. He's um, he's a really good candidate. He was he had run for state senate um, uh, two years ago, and he's really good. He's he is in one of those super rural areas where you know, I don't know how well you know Tom. Oh, I know Tom a little bit from Clubhouse, but not well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 is a he's a farmer, um, which is if you know him is 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 quite impressive. Um, mm -hmm. What he's able to do and live off the land like that. So he's had to kind of adapt his campaign from being hyper rural to statewide, and it's a challenge. Sure. Um, sure. During my races, um, so. My two races were very different. When I was running my congressional race, I did go out. I wore out several pairs of shoes. I went to every festival. I knocked on a lot of doors. I marched in a lot of parades. But a lot of that, um, a lot of the expenses in that race were mostly direct mail and um, and social media advertising. Um, in my 2018 race, um, it was just my small little village of 6,000 people. So... We had a couple of festivals, and yes, I was there, but also I knocked on every door in my village, and I talked to everybody in the village. Um, so. so what's your strategy for winning this race now, and how, how is it, you know, being campaigning to libertarians is probably very different than campaigning to rural New Yorkers, so, or, or a little, New Yorkers. A little, and you still have the same problem, because libertarians in New York and libertarians in Michigan libertarians in new hampshire and delaware and massachusetts they all have different things that are important to them um but i intend to um call as many delegates as i can um i've got a meeting scheduled with a couple of states already and i'm planning on scheduling several more of those um hopefully doing a direct mail campaign not sure if we're going to do that and really being ready to hit the ground running when we get to Reno, making sure that me and people who support me are on the floor loud and talking me up as much as possible. Um, I've hit about a dozen conventions, um, a couple more than that if you count the, the ones I, I put a virtual messages into because there were a lot of those this year too. Um, it's hard, hard, to hit, hard to hit every convention when there are five in a weekend. So a lot of the delegates know me already. Um, they've heard what I have to say. I've been pretty well received um, throughout. 
at the end of the day, um, we've got one more debate that I know of. Maybe more. There may be more than that ahead of time, but there's when, at least a debate in Reno. And uh, that the debate, there's going to be a debate in Reno. I believe oh. it's going to be Friday night. Nice. Don't quote me on that. I'm not looking at the schedule. It usually is that because the, the vote will be on Saturday. Okay. So I, I've done pretty well in debates against um, my opponents. So we will, we'll see. It's really up to the delegates at this point. Right on. Do you, do you enjoy the process of debating? I treat it more with conversational, I think, than some people do. I, I don't. I don't have a... I'm not someone who tends to get angry or blustery sure. um, or, or, and I, and I'm not one to attack people. Um, I'm, I'm going to have a respectful debate on ideas, but my opponents have respected that too <laughs> and kind of know my style. So it's, it's really been a pretty good process. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. Right on. What, uh, what issues right now are, really on your mind as far as like the national level goes as far as politics goes because you know this is kind of a crazy time for libertarians because the state is doing a lot of terrible things at once Whew. oh yeah um i i mean first and foremost as chair um getting our own house in order is it has to be something that we as chair candidates we all need to talk about we all need to think about we all need to have a plan for it. how do we get our house in order um, be, this is going to be one of our most contentious conventions in recent memory. Um, we've had plenty of contentious conventions throughout our history. We shouldn't overstate that this is going to be the worst one ever, but this is going to be one of the, um, most contentious in recent memory. We're going to come out of this convention with a lot of people hating each other. Hmm. Some, some people are going to walk away from our party. We need to be able to get our house in order right away afterwards, um, and we're going to need a strong. We're going to need a strong chair, but not not a strong chair in the sense of strong chair model. A strong leader who's going to be able to to, to lead our party through that. I think um, we're going to have a lot of things to respond to. Um, I I have a I have a feeling that we're going to see um, more escalation in Eastern Europe. Um, I just have a gut feeling that that's going to re-escalate and we're going to be reinserting ourselves into that situation. So I have a feeling the national party is going to have to respond to that. Um, we know we're going to have some Supreme Court decisions coming, including one about abortion. Um, so we're going to have to respond to that. Um, we have a lot of ballot access races in a lot of states. And we're going to need to make sure that we mobilize as best we can to help it retain our ballot access for as many states as we can. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a question. Like, you're about to run for chair. Reno's about to start, and you're talking about kind of the next step in the party, and you know, keeping how to rebuild after people have left. But is there a possibility that you could keep those people from leaving? And if so, what would be your strategy? How would you do that? Do you think it's possible still? I do. Um, and that's been my strategy all along. Um, I have um, I have not bought into any of the factional warfare. I have openly worked with people on both edges and in the middle, which is the biggest part. I have 
made sure that I show up in places where people on both edges are. Um, to, to more to the point, this year there were two Libertarian Party of Delaware conventions, and I was at both of them. Um, and those two are, are th there was very little intersection between the two of them, but I, I was an intersection between the two of them because no matter who the delegates are, no, we're all still libertarians and we all need to be able to work together. I, as chair, need to be able to work with anybody regardless of what their faction is. So, yeah, that's my strategy. It's, I would rather retain them and not have them leave. I'd rather have them willing to work with me. And I'd like to say I, I've, I've been pretty successful on that. Um, I'm not going to say that I've earned every vote of somebody who is um, voting for, say, Angela McArdle, but um, I think a lot of those uh, Angela McArdle voters look at me and say, okay, well, if this guy wins. He's not bad. So uh, one thing I did want to address, I don't think many people have talked about, uh, but from my understanding, LP Delaware will have two sets of delegations there. So one for each side of the faction. So uh, stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, actually, the credentials the credentials committee made a uh, decision on that. Oh, what they say? On both, on both Delaware and Massachusetts. What did they decide? Uh, I'd have to go back to the email. I know that um, I know that in Delaware they chose the. Um, not May side um, of of the party. Um, they they chose they chose the other. Um, and in Massachusetts, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look um, oh. on that one. I do still think they're going to send both delegations. I do still think that there are going to be objections from the floor to seating these delegations and probably a couple of others. Um, they're yeah. not going to come from me. Um, I I don't I don't support that. I I think we need to uh, work together as a party and. And, and not disenfranchised libertarians, but those fights are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we can get past it, but um, for sure. So I have a question for you. I'm, I'm a member of Mises Caucus, you know, but okay. what I tell everybody is I'm a libertarian first and, and Mises member second, you know, or any, any caucus member second. And, you know, I, I'm with you. I want to, um, you know, see people united and stuff and, you know, see goals reached. So what would you say to, to, to the people that are, you know, certain they're going to vote for Angela McArdle and who've already made up their mind because of the caucus? How do you tell them that you're a better option? That's a great, that's a great question. And I, I, I'm going to I'm going to start by saying that um, I recognize that it, I'm not going to be the unanimous choice for chair. <laughs> um, and, and that's OK. Um, I start off the conversation by by finding out what's important to to whoever this particular voter, voter is. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I have found um, in, in talking to Mises people, because there are, there is, if you put that little Mises tag, if, if you got Mises underneath your profile picture on Facebook, there are a subset of people who are going to say, you need to get out of the party. You're a racist, you're a bigot, you need to leave, yeah. Right, that is a ridiculous <laughs> assumption. Sure. Um, because there are a lot of those people who have been in the party for decades and, and at least for years. So I, I would, I, I am not coming in with that energy. Let's, let's be very clear. Okay. Um, so the, the, I mean, the first, I would start by asking why you affiliated with Mises, what attracted you to them? 
So, well, what did yeah. attract you to the Mises Caucus? I, I like the bold messaging of the Mises Caucus, and I like the idea of making libertarianism a broader tent than the LP platform. I don't think it should be much broader, um, but I don't think that just because somebody believes in being pro-life or um, believes in borders means that they can't be a libertarian overall. Um, I, I'm pro-choice and I'm open borders. You know, I consider myself an anarchist, but I still respect that about Mises Caucus, that they're willing to have a wider umbrella. Um, I also respect the fact that they're a little bolder about their messaging. I think they're a little, you know, more unified in their brand and stuff, but um, I don't think that RLP, our LNC has done a bad job. I don't think, I mean, obviously, like with some, you know, some of the more fraudulent things I'm not a fan of, but well, sure, I think, sure. think National has been doing really well, though, for what with what they've had. Um, so I'm not in that seat. But, you know, I, I think those things that I mentioned are really what I like about them. Hmm. I got brought in by Ron Paul, so I like those concepts. Sure. Sure. And, and I will say um, that you and I really aren't that far apart here. You know, I'm not affiliated with that. I'm not affiliated with any caucus. I'm affiliated with the Waffle House caucus because who is <laughs> I mean, if, if you're if you're not, you're a sociopath. But um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Non Waffle House fans. It's true. Um, but I mean, I, I think there are there are people inside the caucus who live inside a bubble and an assumption that the rest of the party doesn't feel the same way as you. Most of us do. We do see our party as a big tent. Our party is a big tent. It's beautiful. Um, I um, There are some people who would like to gatekeep and say, okay, oh, well, if you're not for completely 100% open borders, you can't be a libertarian. There are no issues that are... <laughs> I should say there are, I shouldn't say there are no issues. There are a few issues where I would say you're not a libertarian if you hold that that um, that that belief. Mm -hmm. You know, may, maybe advocating for foreign wars um, is is one that I would call call a, a big showstopper. But if you're at, if you're doing that, you're probably not in the libertarian party anyway. True. Um, I believe in bold messaging too. Um, one thing that I've seen Mises, people who identify as Mises, and by the way, I need to make this very clear that I'm not talking about the caucus in general. I don't see you guys as a monolith. Sure. Because you're not. But yeah. there are individuals who have messaged in a way that is that goes beyond bold to edgy. Um, borderline, you know, not borderline, shocking, um, in some cases, offensive. I agree with that, yeah. And people are drawing that, that line. It's very difficult. It's going to be very difficult to break that line mm. if you don't have anybody outside of your caucus representing on the national level. I want to, I don't necessarily, a lot of people are objecting to the takeover language. Um, mm -hmm. And I do too. Um, that's where I object. I, I want to see a representative LNC, not an LNC that is all one caucus, all one group. Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think that that's just kind of, you know, it's kind of like this idea that a lot of libertarians on both ends have, and I criticize a lot of the anti-Mises people for this too, but it's this, it's this lack of self-ownership. It's like, what do you mean? This is our party. You have a responsibility in this. It's, it's about, you know, rebuilding it from the inside and repairing it and doing what we can do to save it. And that really offends me whenever people um, you know, say, well, all these Mises caucus guys are coming in, so I'm out. It's like, well, damn, 
Is it really, you know, that unvaluable to you that you won't even stay and fight for it? These messages don't mean that much to you. Um, so I think, I think something that'll happen out of this convention is the people like you talked about on the fringe right and left that will leave or, you know, the fringe edges, I think that they're probably, um, you know, we're going to have a problem with it anyway, but we're kind of running out of time. Tony, I want to have you get to this because Janice asked a really good question. Um, how are you on the Tom Woods issue? Um, if you mind, don't mind addressing that. Oh my uh, God. Sorry to throw you in front of a train here, but what do you think? So, I mean, I, I actually posted something on Twitter the other day. First of all, the LNC made their decision. He's the breakfast speaker. Sure. I'm watching what the controversy around him is doing to our party. Uh-huh. The best thing he could do is back out gracefully um, and, you know, have have a paid event down the street because we know that there are going to be people who really want to see him and go to that paid event. If, if, and he's going, he's not going to do this and that's, that's fine. I, I accept it. If he's made, he's made his decision. The LNC has made their decision. Let's let the chips fall where they may. Um, I hope he talks. I hope he doesn't talk to an empty room. I hope that there isn't too much um, negative attention put on this. And I hope people don't back out of the whole convention because they don't like one speaker. Understood. Yeah, agreed. I, I think that's the same. I hope the same things. I hope that there's no like, you know, hatred or violence or anything like that going on. Um, but you're right. Well, Tony, uh, any plugs you want to make? I see you've got web, your website, Tony for Chair. You guys should visit that. Um, but any other plugs you want to make before we close out? No, I, I would really love people to go go visit Tony4Chair.com. That's Tony, the number four, Chair.com. The number four is the number of terms I'm going to serve. Um, Ask Chair. <laughs> um, I had to come up with some reason. Um, if if you support me, if you can, click smash that donate button, send a buck or two. Um, I would really appreciate that. Uh and if you have any, if you go to that website, you'll see all my socials are there. There's plenty of ways to contact me. If there's anything that I haven't addressed here that you want to know about, please hop on in and uh, hop on over and uh, talk to me. I don't bite. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tony. Have a wonderful night. Thank we'll you. See you thank you. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you learned a lot of new things about another LNC candidate. Uh, we will see you in Reno as well. And as always, you are not a real libertarian.